G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. My name's Lockie and I'm the host of this experience and my job is to help us navigate those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message that you can grow your faith all throughout the week. Today, I sit down with Jason Perkins and this is the second time in a row, so it's an absolute treat. Um, And we chat about simplicity. Now, we talk about minimalism and how adopting a simplistic life is actually going to help you in your relationship with Jesus, but also help you to live a more intentional and purposeful life. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, Perko, it's great to have you back on the podcast two weeks in a row. What a treat for uh, both myself and the listeners. How have you been since last week's episode? Yeah, doing well, thanks, mate. I, I actually am going to say, I feel like it's a treat for me to get to hang out with you, <laughs> especially in light of the conversation that we're having today. I'm super stoked because I feel like, Lockie, you know, I think I even said this in the message. I'm pretty sure I said this in the message that this is something I'm still very much in process with of the habits of Jesus, these keystone habits we're talking about in this series, this is the one that I would say I feel like the most of a novice in that I'm still trying to discover exactly what does it look like and how it works for a family of five and all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about this thing. That's awesome. So we are talking about simplicity today and uh, we're talking about two main things, simplicity of stuff. So all the things and what you may know that as is kind of like minimalism. Um, it's quite in pop culture at the moment. But we're also going to be talking about simplicity of schedule. Um, so two really, I think, big areas of our life that if we maintain, if we got, if we got simple in those, if we are, uh, you know, dialed down the complexity, our lives would be potentially a lot more enjoyable. Um, but we're going to talk about how Jesus fits into this as well. So that's super exciting. Um, so Perko, diving straight in. Actually, I'll just say, if if you don't know who Perko is. You go back to last week's episode because we gave a, a nice intro uh, to Perko there, so you can hear all that, all about his story and about where he comes from. Um, but Perko, why is simplicity? Why is this idea of potentially minimalism or just just simplicity itself considered yeah. a habit of Jesus? Well, I think I think in order to answer that, um, I'd love to Lockie just share kind of a working definition of what simplicity is or maybe minimalism in general. Let's, let's call it minimalism. And this is kind of something that I've adapted or stolen, leveraged, however you want to call it, lifted um, from a guy named Josh Becker. So if, you, if you're not familiar, Google Josh Becker. What will pop up is um, his website and a lot of his content under the heading Becoming Minimalist. Um, and he would say it this way, that minimalism or simplicity it's the intentional promotion of things that are most important and it's the removal from everything that distracts us from that. So with that definition in mind, so we're talking about intentionally promoting things that are of most value, the most important, and then eliminating or removing anything that distracts us from that. When I think of the life of Jesus, Jesus, I don't know how many times I need to find this out though, constantly went back and said, 
I have come to do the will of my father. What Jesus was essentially saying is, Lockie, I know what I'm on about. I know why I'm here. I know what's number one priority, what's of most value. And I'm going to live a lifestyle that removes, eliminates the distractions from that thing. The will of his father was the reason he came. Like, I mean, who would have left heaven (laughs) unless their father sent them for a specific mission? And that's what Jesus did. He left heaven for a very specific mission. And I think his lifestyle really shows us how he prioritized what was most important, what's most value. And then he eliminated and, and got rid of anything that distracted him from that, including stuff and schedule. I think that was included in all of that. So to answer your question, mate, I, I think why was simplicity considered a habit of Jesus? Because he was wanting to remove anything that distracted him from what was most important, which was to do the will of his father who sent him. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's an awesome definition. And I just want to um, bring us back to Josh Becker yes. and th- he's a great guy because he's actually a pastor and an ex pastor. And he yeah. started blogging about minimalism um, when it was first kind of becoming on the scene yes. uh, in pop culture. So what I like is that he gives a real faith spin to minimalism. Yeah. Whereas um, most of the bloggers, most of the people who talk and podcast about it, it's more of a self-help thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, you know, some people will say, oh, you can only live with 37 items or something like that. Right. You, know, you know, with, with the goal like that, that, that seems wild. But from a faith perspective, what you're saying is get cut, cut the fat, get rid of everything that doesn't yeah. uh, contribute to your life and, and yes. move forward on the things that, that take you to your purpose. Yeah. Um, and what, what we're really talking about, Lockie, I think is we're, we're talking about what's the noise, what is the, the material noise and the schedule noise that is distracting you and hindering you from what's most important in life. And I think that, man, I just feel like our culture today has subtly over time maybe tricked us into thinking that more stuff is going to equal more happiness Mm. when it actually just creates more complexity. If we're all being really honest, like, you know, you've got that push bike that you haven't ridden maybe in three years because Mm. you've also got a skateboard. You've also got a surfboard. You've also got, you know, a boogie board. You've also, you know, the list goes on and on, you know, the drill. Yeah. You know, I think I might just tackle one of the kind of stereotypes of, of minimalism here as well. Yeah. Um, because it's bound to come up, you know, yeah. oh, a minimalist wears the same t-shirt every day. That's the kind of mm-hmm. standard, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs yes. kind of thing. And yes. uh, I, I do wear the same t-shirt every day or the same style. I wash it. Don't worry. Um, yeah. but I have, <laughs> and eight. you've got more than one of them, which I have is more, I have eight. Exactly. Yes. Of the same. Yeah. So one for every day of the week and, and, yeah. and one for a buffer there. So I want to share rather than just like, oh yeah, I'm a minimalist. Therefore I only have one t-shirt. Yeah. For me, my, my story behind that is I used to be really, um, really conscious about what I was wearing and I would, I wouldn't want to be seen twice in the same outfit. So I would, I was like, this is, you know, I need to be cool. I need to be fashionable. And I started like planning my outfits around who was seeing me. So I'd say, wow. oh, this person hasn't seen this, you know, so I can wear that. Um, wow. And so this real, like, my, it just took a lot of real estate up in my mind of trying to plan this, um, plan this out. But then also, what, what are you, you're spending so much money. I'm going out yes. to, to buy new things. 
to accumulate new shoes and, and shorts and whatever, you know, accessories so that I look relevant. And you get to a point where you can't, you, there's no possible way you could, you know, go uh, get away with wearing something new unless you center your life around that. And so that became apparent to me and I went, gee, I don't know if I, I want to do that anymore. And so I went to the extreme. I went, I'm spending a hundred bucks on clothes this year and that's it. And what I have is what I'm going to wear. In fact, I'm going to just simplify my wardrobe, wardrobe so much. I'm going to not buy any new shoes or anything like that. That's going to blow up my budget this year. And yeah. so in order to combat uh, that kind of habit of mine that was, you know, wear something new for everyone, I was like, no, nope, I'm going to wear the same thing. And that has like, in a way, cured me and cured my mind to say, yeah, it does not matter. Um, yeah. Simplicity for me is to say, you know what? I don't care what people think they can, yeah. they can see me wear the same thing. It does not matter. In fact, I save money. I save time. I save that mental real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think a lot of people get into it that are maybe not necessarily followers of Jesus is they are looking for some ways to maximize their finances, to maximize their think time. There's their, you know, the space in their decision-making, you know, I think that was Steve jobs. I know was the one who said, Hey, I, I've got so many decisions to make every day. Why ruin, you know, why take up two or three of those decisions in the morning with what I'm going to wear? Just make that decision, you know, as automatic as possible. So I think those are great reasons. I don't think those are in and of themselves bad reasons. I just think that Jesus comes along and elevates it yet again to a higher purpose and calling because now I can say, well, okay, with that amount of think time that I have, maybe I can spend that time just spending time with Jesus or being in his presence and becoming more like him um, rather than just saying, Oh, I eliminated three decisions every morning. Yeah. What's the purpose behind that? I think is key. That's so good. And today really, we're going to focus on the intersection of faith and, and minimalism, faith yeah, and good. simplicity. I think that's, that's where we want to hit is to yep. say, you know, there's definite pros um, to minimalism and that's why it's taken off in the self-help world. That's mm -hmm. why, People are doing it, writing about it, blogging, podcasting. But there's what I think we miss and probably what Christians don't see is that it is an insanely spiritual practice. It, it's a yes. habit of Jesus. It, it's something yeah. that he did. He prioritized um, and kind of gives to us as an invitation. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so moving on a bit, I mean, was, was Jesus a minimalist? Do we know much about him? Do we know enough about him to say that, yes, he was a minimalist? Well, let's put it this way, Lockie. I think, you know, I think the answer to the question is, well, it depends on how you define a minimalist. A good friend of mine, um, John says all the time, he says, Jason, our, we rise and fall on our definitions. And so if you say, yes, Jesus was a minimalist, then you need to tell me, well, what, did you, what do you mean by minimalist in order for me to really be able to definitively say, yes, he was or no, he wasn't. And so again, I go back to, the working definition that I happen to have adopted around this idea of minimalism, again, adapted from Josh Becker is this idea of intentionally promoting the things that are of most value. And then I would say aggressively or intentionally getting rid of or eliminating, or at least reducing the things that are a distraction from that. And so in that definition, I'm convinced Jesus was a minimalist. I, you know, we don't have, Luke or John or Mark or Matthew tell us what was in his wardrobe. Like we just don't have that 
uh, list of things that he carried in his bag, you know, to be able to say, oh, well, Jesus only had 37 <laughs> things. That's why minimalists only need 37 items. I wish we did, by the way. That would help eliminate would be great. a lot of conversations around this, wouldn't it? I'd love but, to see Jesus' vlog, you know. Yeah, about, how about would that be? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think um, at the end of the day, he was so laser focused on doing the will of his father that I'm convinced he must have been a minimalist um, because he did, talk, he did talk to his disciples about traveling lightly not taking a lot of things with them. But again, it was always for a purpose. It was always because he was on about the will of his father. So to answer your question, I believe Jesus was a minimalist because he was laser focused on what was most important, i.e. the will of his father. And he eliminated anything that was a distraction from that, not just his stuff, by the way, yeah. but also how he spent his time as well. We'll talk about time in a second, but I, I yeah. really like how you haven't, kind of cherry picked that Bible verse that says they traveled lightly yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, built your argument of minimalism yeah. around that. You said, no, no, he, he was laser focused. He yes. was intentional. He had a purpose and he, he went there. So, you know, that's probably a great place to, to start thinking about what is minimalism. It's not about how much stuff you have or how architectural, you know, that kind of like, yeah, yeah. Your, design your thing, aesthetic. Uh, Yes, that's right. I mean, that's a part of it, I guess. But from a Jesus perspective, from a spiritual perspective, it's, it's that laser focus. Yeah. Um, so you talked about time and maybe Jesus' example uh, is more about time and, and kind of minimalist view on time. What, what, is, what do you mean by that? What, what does that look like both in his context, but also for us now? Yeah, so I think it's important, Lockie, when, as a follower of Jesus, I think we have to understand our limits we have to know what our limits are. And again, if, you know, being completely transparent, I haven't, I didn't become aware of my limits until probably four or five years ago. Um, I, I used to try and cram as many things as I could into a 24 hour period because I thought that that was what was productive. I thought that's what is valued. That's what people will love me for because that's what people look up to in our culture is, man, that guy's killing it. Look at how much he's getting done. But what I was doing was I was failing to see that God has given us limits, God-given limits. And I think it ties back to what we talked about on the podcast last week with this idea of Sabbath. Our limits cause us to surrender, which causes us to recognize our dependency upon God. Because if we didn't have limits, we could just live life independently. We wouldn't need to be dependent on God. But because of our limits, I think it really causes us to slow down and recognize, man, we are incredibly dependent upon him. So when it comes to our schedule, I think that that is probably the biggest thing is, yes, I want to define what's most important. I want to be focused like Jesus was on doing the will of the father. But I think equally, you've got to understand that you've got some God-given limits because I can be laser focused on what's most important and completely expend myself and completely be exhausted and not be living within those limits. It sounds like these limits in the perspective of someone who lives simply are self-imposed. So we recognize the limit that, you know, that is just human. And then yes. we, we decide intentionally to go under that. Yes. So, you know, from a perspective of, of possessions, like I could own more, but I choose not to, but yes. from a, from a, um, perspective of simplicity in time. I think what that's saying is that 
I could do all these things. You know, it, I could fit into my schedule. However, if I went at that rate in, in a month's time, I would be exhausted. So I'm yeah. actually going to choose to, to sit below my, yeah. my limit and, and have some restriction and boundary around that. So I don't get to this point of like exhaustion every month. I'm actually living at this really constant rate of, of, of just a, a good, a good rate to live at with, with rest included in that. Yeah. And I think recognizing that when I actually live within those limits, I'm living a life that is surrendered to the sovereignty of God because he's the one that's going to grow the business, build the church, mm. finish the exam. Like he, Jesus in me is going to live out those things. It's not going to be something I can accomplish in my own strength. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's, you know, you could take a few, few months to kind of work that out on a Unpack personal that, yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what does it look like on a schedule though? Does it mean that I just start saying no to everything? Like, uh, you know, can't hang out with my family, can't do this assignment, not going to, you know, turn in late to work. W- what does it actually look like to, to have a simple schedule? And maybe, you know, knowing that this is a journey and then Sabbath, what we talked about last week in simplicity, I think it's a journey. It's going to take a while. So yeah. in a year's time after doing a year of simplicity with my schedule, what, what would that look like? And, and what would be kind of the result of that? Yeah. So for me, Lockie, what that's looked like is, is moving towards what I call an ideal week schedule. Um, some people call it a fixed schedule. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's identifying ahead of time, the things that are most important and then time blocking those things so Stephen Covey talked about, you know, putting first things first or put the big rocks in first and then you add the little rocks afterwards. That's essentially what you're doing. Similar to kind of a financial budget, a calendar in a sense is a time budget. It's taking a look at what's most important, putting that on your schedule ahead of the other things because the demands, you're always going to have things that exceed the amount of time that you have. And so what you've got to do is decide ahead of time where you want to spend your time on the things that are most important. And what that's looked like for me, Lockie, is moving to what I refer to as the ideal week or that fixed schedule where I'm putting in time blocks in the day and throughout the week that have the things that are most important to me on the calendar and in those regular rhythms. Does that make sense what I mean by that? Yeah, it does. Does it take you longer? Like, I mean, you can just go about your week and it, it sounds like it requires a bit of pre-planning. Yeah. Um, so does it take longer on the kind of admin side, the life admin and planning side of things to organize this? Or is it simpler? Like, is it easier to, to implement than just kind of going through your week? Going through ad hoc. I actually think you will save time because you're going to, again, you're going to be prioritizing the things that are most important. And so there are a lot of things that we have to or we need to get done. You know, we have jobs, you're going to uni, Lockie, you've got to get, get to class, you've got to do all those things. But rather than just kind of drifting into each day and seeing what happens, it's letting, kind of planning your day ahead of time to say, okay, well, on Mondays, I know that I've got these things going on. Tuesdays, I know that I've got these things going on. But what I've done ahead of time is I've taken a look at my entire life and said, but what's most important to me is that I really Sabbath well. What's important Mm. to me is that I get a a date night with my wife every week. What's important to me is that I get to take 
my my children out for breakfast once a week. I've got a daughter that's 17 and I love taking Olivia on dates with her dad. Mm. And we love going for sushi and we love going for Italian food. Those are our <laughs> those are our go-to dates, yeah. Chris, Olivia and I. And so it's just putting those things on your schedule on your schedule ahead of time because you know that that's that's what's most important and let the other things fit in around it. Yeah, that's awesome. It it just reminds me that of when people say, you know, I'm too busy for that. Yes. Um, what, you know, <laughs> we were talking, as I mentioned last week, we were talking about this at our connect group and one of our members just went full, like just didn't hold back in saying this. And I thought it was brilliant, but they said, you know, busy isn't a, a badge of honor. Uh, when people no. say people like to be, Oh, I'm busy. And we, and you know, the response that we get is like, wow, you must be, that's impressive. You know, you must be really important if you're so busy. Yeah. yeah. And this person was like, you know, so saying you're busy is just admitting that you're unorganized. Like mm. you, you have committed to a schedule and to a life that you can't um, be in control of. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that hit hard. Um, it was, it was like, it was brutal, but really, yeah. I mean, that's a kind of, that's a really hard hitting definition, but saying like, yeah, being, being busy means that you, you haven't been able to prioritize or you've said yes to something that you actually haven't been able to follow through on. And as followers of Jesus, I know there's all these kind of spiritual connotations or spir spiritual things that we want to do, but on a, on a level of just practicality, Christians are people that follow through to their word. Yeah. You know, we, they are people, people that, of their word. Yeah. We're, we're authentic. We yes. commit. And when we start as followers of Jesus, and I, I'm so guilty of this, we start letting people down because of our inability to kind of live a simple life. Well, that doesn't reflect too well on the character of Jesus. And yeah. I know, yeah, I, I kind of uh, preloaded this with, it was a bit, bit heavy hitting and that's true. Um, no, that's good. I, I'm not really holding back here, but this is the important of, of simplicity is we have a laser focus to get the stuff done that we need to get done. We say yeah. yes, our yes is a yes and our no's are no's. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, I think that actually removing Lockie from our, our vernacular, the idea of I don't have time for something and just saying, I actually don't want to make time for something is really important because it helps you understand that number one, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. We all have 24 hours in the day. So saying that I don't have time for something is actually not a true statement. You do have time for it. But what we've got to get into our vernacular, I think, is just the understanding that I don't want to make time for something or that's not my focus. That's not my priority. And, and really stop using the excuse of I'm too busy or I don't have time for. No, I, I need to be able to just say with authenticity, I don't want to make time for that because mm -hmm. I've got other things that are of a higher priority. Obviously don't say that to the person that's asking you, <laughs> Hey, do you want to go have coffee? No, I don't want to make time for you. Yeah. <laughs> but just be honest with yourself. At least say it to yourself. Hey, I don't want to make time for fill in the blank. Yeah. Cause I'm focused on this other priority. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, like when we're involved in too many things that that's a problem. So, I, you know, I go on the, I like to go deeper in what I'm doing rather than pick up more responsibilities. So, you know, helpful thing to, for me to work out what I'm going to say yes and no to is I like to, um, to work out what my, what my blocks are, which you talked about before. Yeah. Um, and for, for some people listening, you'll be students. So I'm a student. So you're going to naturally have more blocks because yes, you've still got to work. 
So whereas someone yes. that that's working their, their block is, is just work. Yeah. Um, but again, work out what your blocks are. So within say, say church serving is one of my blocks, uni work, home life. And yeah. if there's something else that pops in, Oh, do you want to play social sport on a, you know, on a Wednesday? It, it doesn't really fit you know, it doesn't naturally fit into one of those blocks. So I have to then uh, really consider if that's something I want to do. Whereas yeah. if it's, Hey, you, do you want to do this assignment? Well, that's actually not really a choice. It fits into my block. It's what I've already yeah. committed to. It's so I've <laughs> signed up for it. I've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just helped me to kind of work out what, what is, yeah, what I'm spending my time on and what I'm saying yes to. Yeah. And what you're doing Lockie is essentially the first step in identifying kind of your ideal week or your fixed schedule is you're identifying what are the big categories of responsibilities that I have that I'm committed to and I'm going to put those things first and then I'll allow the other smaller things to fit in around it mm. as I have margin or if I have margin. Yeah. Do you have an ideal week? Um, do you I have do. A, yeah. And, and what does yours involve? Like, is it a mixture of work and leisure or is it, is it, do you use it just in, in your work life or home life? Yeah. So it's, um, I, I'm not a naturally organized person, Lockie, like details are not my best friend, but I learned that very early on in life, like in my twenties. And so I've always had somebody to help me with the details. And so I have a, a, a person that um, is my assistant, virtual assistant. She actually lives in Wisconsin in the U S right? so, yeah. So Celeste helps me with my calendar and my ideal week. Yeah. She helped book this podcast. It's great. She did. She scheduled the <laughs> podcast for us. And so one of the things that Celeste and I have done now for years, we've worked on this is, is the ideal week of putting in the big rocks. So, I mean, I could literally walk you through, Lockie, what my ideal day looks like. I won't bore you with the details of it. <laughs> but I have a morning routine, a ritual that starts at 4.45 in the morning and it leads up until about 7 o'clock. Um, and then at 7 o'clock, almost daily, I meet with Celeste mm. for 30 minutes online and we talk through what I call my big three for the day. So I have three big tasks that I want to knock out each day. Around lunchtime, I take a pause to have lunch with somebody or I do what I call a ride and learn where I plug in and I listen to books on audio and I ride my bike, that kind of good stuff. Coaching podcasts, these kinds of things at post lunch, which is why you got a time slot of two o'clock in the afternoon because that's already built into yeah. the ideal schedule. Um, and so when, when somebody asks me, Hey, do you have time for something? Then it falls into one of those big blocks like you just talked about Lockie. And so, um, that's when I say to Celeste, Hey, Lockie wants to connect with me. She figures out what's the activity, what mm. slot does it fit into? And then she probably told you, I think Lockie, Hey, Jason's got these slots yeah. on these particular days. That's because the type of activity that you requested was into a certain slot. Yeah. And so then that eliminates it from other slots, like in the early part of the day where I'm getting my daily big three done she knows that that's just, I've got to knock some things out. And so I can't get interrupted. So does that, does that help kind of super give you helpful. A sense? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, just going back to that morning routine, 4.45 to seven. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Cause no, no. <laughs> here's the deal. Here's the deal, Lockie. I say that. And then people are like, Holy cow. Hey, that that's been years in the making. Yeah, Lockie. Yeah. Like I didn't start out getting up that early. Oh, I'm not um, worried about getting up early. I, I'm, I'm worried about is not worried. I'm, I'm curious. Is that any productive? Cause I know that I actually need a, a, at least an hour before I leave the house to 
to ready myself. One of my yeah. pet hates is when people rock up to work and they just look terrible. I used to run a team and people would just, I, I, I was just, I was ruthless. I was like, just look better. Like get set an earlier alarm. Like I, I know I need that for look myself. Better, like, I like, like, that. like shower and, and have a coffee, have three coffees. Like whatever you That's need a to motto. do. To That's a better. motto to live by look better. <laughs> Like just two words. It's pretty simple. Just look oh, better. I, I love that. I love that. I shouldn't have said that one, but um, no, that's good. It's good. You know, just like, that's what is the, it? Yeah. yeah like, what does my routine look like? So I actually, I make a cup of tea first thing in the morning. I have a ridiculous alarm uh, app on my phone. It's called key wake K I W A K E. Um, and it's not cheap, but I think six ninety nine. I've been using it for seven years now is totally worth it. Dave Ramsey would say, that's not bad. You got a dollar, a dollar a year out of that app. That's pretty good. So, um, but Keywake forces me to do, it forces you to do three things. You have to get your body awake. You have to get your mind awake and then you have to get your soul awake. Um, and so in order to turn the alarm off, you have to do three things that wakes up mind, body and soul. Um, so I do that to wake myself up in the morning at 4.45. I keep the alarm outside of my room. Um, then I, I make a cup of tea. I have a shower um, and I get ready first thing. Like I just get started right out of the gate. And then I go into uh, my, my ritual is made up of, um, of six things, Lockie. I'll be really quick. S is silence. A is, it, and it's the word savers, um, S-A-V-E-R-S. So silence, then I, I do affirmations. So I, I tell myself things out loud right. that, that God believes about me. I then go into visualization. So I dream about the future. I visualize myself literally sitting on the lap of my heavenly father, listening to his heartbeat. Now we're getting super weird lucky and the podcast <laughs> has just gone south really quickly. Um, but I visualize myself sitting with my heavenly father, listening to what he has to say about me, not because of what I do, but because of who I am as his son. And then, um, so silence, affirmations, visualization, then the E is exercise. So I like to ride or walk in the morning around my neighborhood. Um, the R then is reading. I do some reading. And then the final S of savers is some scribing or some writing in my journal. So that kind of makes up that two hour time block early in the morning, plus getting ready. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's, that's awesome. We're coming to the end of this podcast, but I, I think what I've understood from what you're saying is there's one word that really kind of sums up simplicity. And I, I want to say that's ownership. Um, that's a great that, word. Yeah. Is that people, people around us and, and we, I know I have in the past and, and still do make excuses as to my schedule as to why I'm late or why I didn't do such a good job on that uh, assignment or why that that task i had to get done wasn't to the quality or to the deadline in which it you know was meant to be um but take you know being sim being simple it means to take ownership of those things and to yeah. say i'm going to choose to to not only do those things better but to create a system within my schedule yeah that's going to work for me you know yeah. I, i've i've made a decision like i don't i don't rock up to work looking anything but my best, you know, like, not that that's anything impressive, but you know, I, I'm alert when I get to work. Yes. I'm not going to take yeah. my first hour kind of oh, waking up and yawning. I've, I've already done the things I need to. And, and that's what you're saying. You, you've got a two hour routine um, yeah. to just to, to be ready to be alert 
and taking yeah. ownership over that. I don't yeah. know if that's an accurate kind of, you know, something. No, I, I think Paul, the apostle Paul talks about growing into our maturity in Christ. And I think sometimes um, I'm really stealing this from a friend of mine, Jamin Fraser. He says that this idea of having a childlike faith. So we come to Jesus with a childlike faith, which is absolutely a biblical concept. But then Paul talks about maturing in our faith and becoming an adult in our faith. And I think what you're talking about, Lockie, is the idea of adulting. It's saying, hey, there is a maturing, there is an ownership, there is a responsibility that I need to take for some of these areas of my life, including simplicity of my schedule and my stuff. And I've, I've got to take the first steps towards that. Mm. That's good. Yeah, wow. Well, that's a... I didn't expect to go in any of those directions, but I'm glad we did. I'm really glad we did. I hope that yeah. anyone listening can, um, you know, take those 167 hours beyond Sunday and yeah. start to take some ownership um, to live a simpler life, not a less important, but actually a more purpose-filled life yeah. and, and making some really purposeful steps in those directions. Yeah, absolutely. Lockie, I want to give one little tip that I'm working on Great. right now when it comes to stuff. I'm actually doing this little experiment right now, personally, oh, awesome. I got, I got rid of probably half of my closet recently. Um, as I'm minimal, minimizing the kind of things that I have in my closet right now in my closet, I'm doing a three month experiment where I turned all of the hangers in my closet around the opposite direction. So you can imagine I hang up my, my clothes the normal way. I turn them all around. So the hangers are all reversed. And after three months, I'm planning to get rid of everything that is still hanging that direction. So when I wash, when I wear something and wash it and I put it back on a hanger and I hang it in the closet, yeah. if it's facing the normal direction after three months, it gets to stay. So, if it's not, it's gone. So there's a simple yeah. little trick, little tip that I found online that if you're trying to figure out, man, I don't even know what to do with my closet. I don't know. Should I keep that thing? Is it a distraction? Yeah. Is it, you know, is it a good thing to keep? Just give that a three month little pilot and see how your closet looks at the end. That's great. Make sure you keep some jumpers though. Uh, that's right. Cause you, it will get cold eventually. Right. Yeah. No, oh, that's good. Awesome. Well, that's a great little practical tip to finish. And I'm sure again, pointing you back towards Josh Becker, yes. minimalist, uh, all sorts of people you know, search online and um, find there's, there's a million different things you could do. Um, yeah. But I think what, what we've really talked about today is, is finding the, the why, um, mm -hmm. finding the reason that we would simplify both our stuff and our schedule and going from that point, following the example, the habit of Jesus. To then yeah. Forward to a perfect life. So good. Lucky. Thanks, mate. Thank you for coming on two weeks in a row. Um, it's been All a good. real pleasure. See you hopefully again. I know there'll be a next one coming up. We don't know the date of that yet, but I'm really looking forward to having you back at Beyond a Home also. Yeah, hope so. Thanks again. See ya. Well, thanks for listening to part four of the Habits of Jesus series on the Beyond the Message podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you listen and we look forward to wrapping up this series with Riley Brown next week with part five. See you later.